Hey, this is John Jorgensen, and welcome to another episode of the Go With John Show. We launched the Go With John Show in November of 2020. Uh, the, the, the truth of the matter is we actually started planning this show back in 2013, and uh, just the world has been so crazy. Uh, and business has been so hectic, we never had time to really get it off the ground. And when COVID came along, it was the perfect opportunity for us to seize on the moment. It's now mid-2021, and we have about 30 episodes under our belt. We thought it would be fun to go back and highlight some of the funny moments from these first 30 episodes. I'm also going to provide a little bit of insight into each clip. So let's get started. So the first clip is Jeff Detweiler, and uh, he tells us a story about when he thought he was getting punked. In this clip, the CEO of Long & Foster Companies, Jeff Detweiler, talks about the first week he was in the office and how he felt like somebody was playing an elaborate prank on him. Can I tell you one story? A Please. funny story. So, yeah. So when I first took the job, Yes. Uh, Wes was having a bout with headaches. He he suffered from migraines, uh, mm -hmm. and particularly at the beginning when I got there. And I, I think I don't I don't think I saw him for the first sixty days uh, when I got to work mm -hmm. uh, because he was just really under the weather and not feeling right. well. So he wasn't coming in. Uh, there was another guy that was here uh, that was in late, left early. You know, that was just his traffic pattern. He'd yeah. been with Wes forever from the beginning, right. George Eastman. Yeah. And um, and then the, the guy that was the president of Long & Foster Companies before I was there, Dave Stevens, had been um, nominated to uh, president of Mortgage Bankers. Well, FHA, FHA, yeah, right. at okay, the time. That's right. And so he was being, uh, he was going through the confirmation style. So I think it had been like kind of six months since Dave was really here being yeah. serious. So <laughs> the, the the what comes to mind is the saying is when when the cat's away, yes, uh, the mice will play. Right. So we had recently, you know, about probably two years earlier, moved into the uh, Long & Foster headquarters in Chantilly. Which George Carter Way. Yep. Yep, George Carter Way. Enormous building. Mm -hmm. Has an enormous parking garage mm -hmm. connected to it. 1,300 parking spaces because from what I understand is Long & Foster had to move two times prior into new buildings because ran out of parking spaces. And right. Russ said, I'm never going to run out of parking spaces right? again. So <laughs> he got 1,300 parking spaces and we had this, we were the only tenants in this five-story building, right. uh, something like 350,000 square feet. Yeah. You know, enormous. You've seen it, but yes. not everybody have seen it, but just an enormous, massive uh, well, brick well, so structure. For the folks that drive up and down 28, it's yep. the huge building that looks like a giant house. It's yeah. a commercial Big colonial building. looking exactly. building. Exactly. Williamsburg yeah. Colonial. I yeah. think it has the record for the most bricks in the state of Virginia oh, or something like that. Oh, absolutely. It has to. It's insane. So, so I start work there, and I and uh, on the interior of it, there is this uh, area of how the building was designed in an executive area. And so yeah. it was really only Wes, myself, and this other gentleman, George Eastman, that had offices in that executive area, and it was kind of cordoned off to everything else. Well, uh, you know, Wes wasn't coming in. George was coming in kind of late. Yeah. And 
every morning I would drive in early, new job, right? Yeah, so yeah. I'd get there at like seven, yeah. uh, drive in. There wasn't a, a single car in that 1300 uh, slot parking structure. Yeah. I would walk into the building and up from the second floor to the fourth floor, wouldn't see a soul. And the same thing, I'd leave. I'd stay there till maybe 7.30 at night, just pouring through mm-hmm. kind of reports and books and mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. Same thing, wouldn't see a soul, yeah. wouldn't see a single car in it. So uh, I'm getting towards the end of the week, started on Monday. It's now Thursday. And I haven't seen but two people in the yeah. building. There were two people that would come down and just bring information to me, a and pilot. Food, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think there was any food. I don't think I was eating anything. And uh, and they would just pile stuff on, on my desk. And I called my wife on Thursday afternoon and I said, you're going to think I'm crazy, Mary. Do you remember, John, do you remember the show Punked, Ashton Kutcher? Yeah, 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 Punked, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, where they yeah. play these Absolutely. like elaborate tricks? Yeah. I said to my wife, I said, I think I'm on Punked. <laughs> I think they rented out this big, empty office building, yeah. and there's nobody here. And they and they, they, they hired me, and here's this guy, Detweiler, that's yeah. sitting in this office all alone, and he thinks he's running this big, huge company with 10,000 agents and 1,000 yeah. and or 2,000 employees, and there's there's nobody here. Yeah, that's nobody hilarious. Here. So it wasn't until, like, the 10th business day that I actually saw somebody other than these two people, and I realized it's, yeah. it's a little bit different now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now and now it's back to empty again because well, of COVID, it is back right? To empty. Yeah, yeah. So it we, is back to empty. Yeah, yeah. so everything uh, old is new again. That's right. <laughs> it's just like bell bottoms. I'm still waiting for elephant bottoms to right. come back. Right, right those right, jeans. Right. Ed Shudell, BMW. This clip is both funny and a good lesson. Ed Shudell of RGS Title shares his experience at the BMW headquarters in Germany. BMW was launching the new M3 at the time. This is 10 years ago, mm-hmm. and I really wanted to go drive it, and it was a, an event. Uh, pushed, asked, called, got invited, and then one day we're at the track. Um, well, actually, the night before, that we had a dinner. So there's 40 of us at the Nürburgring in Germany, right. the right, famous right. Nordschleife. Mm-hmm. And everyone's going around the table, and they're asking them their favorite car. Yeah. What's your favorite car? So, you know, guys talking this M5, next guy's 911 Turbo, Ferrari. Yeah. There's a lot of wealthy guys. They get to me, and I said, my, my XB. And the f- table of 40 people just got quiet. And they all look, and they go, XB? I said, yeah, my Scion XB. RGS title had little box mobiles. Yeah. And I said, why, why would you pick that car? I said, I can fit in it. I can park it anywhere in D.C. Yeah. Uh, it's, it gets great gas mileage. And you know what? My skills are better than the car. But on the high-end cars, I seriously doubt anyone here can exceed the performance of the car. Mm-hmm. Next day, we're at the Nordschleife. We're walking by the BMW testing uh, building. And I come around the corner, and there's all these TV and, or movie cameras and productions and booms and lights. I thought, wow, they're filming a commercial. And Martin Berkman with BMW M Products, uh, he goes, Edward, yeah, come here. I'm like, He's like, everyone else go in. Now, my name is uh, German-Swiss, we see a Schudel, but it yeah. should be Schudel. So he's yeah. like, Schudel, come here. And he said, this is Miss So-and-so, this is her production team. I said, okay. He goes, we want you in a commercial. I said, why me? Mm-hmm. He goes, you're honest. 
Yeah. I said, yeah, how so? He goes, because no one admits to liking a Scion XB. <laughs> and then I did videos, and my, they used my voice for the launch of the car. That's great. And it was a lot of fun. You know, I think, and, and, and there's a really important lesson in there. You know, if, if, you're, if you just be yourself and, and be honest with folks, sometimes uh, good things will happen. Yeah, you're, I agree. Everyone has a story. Right. And you got to let them know your story so they know who you are, and you got to learn their story. Right. So yeah. if you had just said something like, like everybody yeah, else M3. said, you would have just been part of the crowd. I would have been, been another yeah. guy there. Right. But they, they really liked it. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fun. It's good. Very, very good. Boomer Foster talking about football. In this hilarious clip, Boomer Foster, president of Long & Foster Real Estate, shares one of his college football experiences and how the opposing team did everything they could to intimidate them before the game. So let's let's t talk a little more about football. So let's go. Let's tell me, tell me the 1991 uh, story where you were in the locker room, uh, Florida. Florida State, actually. Florida State, yep. Yeah, so in 1991, South Carolina was not yet in the SEC. My mm -hmm. freshman year, it was their last year of us being independent. So we played Georgia Tech and Duke and, and Virginia Tech and West Virginia and, and Clemson. And a lot of these teams were not SEC teams. Um, but, uh, so, but in 1991, Florida State was a different team than they are today. They were mm -hmm. in the middle of about an 18-year run of finishing in the top five in the country so these guys were absolutely no joke they were full-grown men right who and i'm 18 years old <laughs> right they're full-grown men who the vast majority of whom in the two deep for fuller state were about to go play and get paid for playing on sundays right so yeah so we we went down to uh florida state um you know and we didn't have a lot of expectations i think it was probably the second or third game of our year um and uh, Doak Campbell Stadium was not what it is today. Today it holds 85,000. Back then it was it was a bunch of bleachers. It was 50-something mm -hmm. thousand people. But they were smart because they put the student section on top of the visitor's locker room. And if ever, anybody knows Florida State, Florida State are the Seminoles. So, no, 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 no. They do the chop and <laughs> yeah. all of that stuff. And on top of the and, – and they've got – Chief Osceola, who comes out with a spear and he's riding a horse before the game, and the spear's flaming, and he looks at you, and the horse rears up, and he pounds the spear into the middle of the seminal, and you're looking around going, This is not good, you know? So, even worse, though, I'm just telling you, we're sitting in there before the game. I'm 18 years old. A year before, I was playing in front of a few hundred people, right. maybe a thousand on a good night. Right. Um, and we're about to go play the number two team in the country. Yeah. And the student section, like I said, was on top of the, the visitors' locker room, and there's these—it's essentially a, a bleach, a bunch of bleachers. And with their feet before the game, they start doing the Indian, the drum, war drum chant thing. There's a bum 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 right. bum 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 with their feet on top of the visitors' <laughs> locker room. And I'm looking around, going, "Oh, they're gonna kill us!" And you know, I'm and and everybody else is kind of looking around, and I'm thinking, you know, this is on national television. We're about to go get embarrassed. I'm sure that my ex-girlfriend from high school is going to watch with great glee as we're taken apart <laughs> by the number two team in the country. And I, my mind was not right. I normally tell that story in, in the, from the context of getting your mind right because 
the coach walks into the locker room as Sparky Woods at the time, and he looks around and he goes, get your mind right, boys. Get your yeah. mind right. And I'm going, this is really difficult <laughs> to get your mind right in this situation. <laughs> so we went out there, and I remembered it wrong. I actually looked it up this morning at how bad we got beat because I yeah. thought we were relatively close because yeah. it felt close. But they beat us like 38 to 14. They wow. tore us up. Yeah. 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 So, so, uh, so, uh, how, how did, how did you manage to get your mind right? Did you get your mind right? Or did you just go out there quaking in your I boots? I will tell you that I'm not sure that I had to necessarily get my mind as right. I did play on, on, uh, as a tight end and that, and not just on special teams. I yeah. caught a pass and the moment I caught it and there wasn't a whole lot of running cause I wasn't very fast. <laughs> um, if I caught it in the touchdown or in the end zone, that's how I scored a touchdown. There wasn't a lot of running into the end zone for me, right. uh, but I caught a pass and ran about two yards and some linebacker running a 4-4 planted his helmet into my ribs <laughs> and I had a scrape up the side of my my um I had a, I, so I I I uh I left limping but um and, and your dad was there oh, sure to tell was. you you're not hurt yeah. right? well it's funny because my mom's from Florida and her family was there and you know she's a gator but her brother and sister are, are Florida State fans and yeah. so you know they're looking at as we're coming out after the game and you know they're looking at us with such sympathy I'm like I'm just glad I'm still alive right okay don't feel bad for me I'm glad yeah. we're not dead yeah yeah, yeah. Tom Mitchell talking about apples. Yes, apples. In this clip, a longtime friend of mine and business owner Tom Mitchell talks about his time selling apples and how his stock was depleted in a matter of hours. I had a warehouse with probably, I don't know, 15,000 pounds of apples. They were going bad. Mm-hmm. It was into June, I think, and, and uh, this is my, like my third load or something like that, but it, it was time to exit stage right at that point. Yeah. It was pretty obvious to me that I wasn't enjoying myself and I wasn't making money. So, yeah. um, and I, but luckily I had total flexibility on lease and turn. It was all flexible. So, mm-hmm. um, the Grateful Dead was in town and, uh, I leave for like an hour and because you know, what's amazing. I had all these apples and I started calling all these nonprofit groups, mm-hmm. come and get it, come and get it. And none of these nonprofits even had ways to get the apples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so uh, I did have a reefer truck, which was definitely was, came in handy. But um, we had no way at that point, because I'd liquidated, you know, I'd sold the reefer truck and I was exiting. Uh, I had no way to get them, the apples, but the, the Grateful Dead was in town. And the manager I had working with me put the word out. And when I came to my office uh, that afternoon, there were boxes on the street everywhere. These people from the Dead concert, they cleaned out my entire warehouse in two hours. So I don't know. I'm like, what the You think they had the uh, munchies? The, I was I was a little pissed because the, the guy didn't, the my manager didn't ask my permission. He right. knew where we wanted to go. Right. But I was I was a little um, pissed about it because yeah. you know I mean I did that's probably eight grand in apples and yeah. maybe I could have given it to someone myself or but uh, but yeah they were, they were cleared out in a matter of uh, an hour or two uh, the Grateful Dead uh, at the Cab Center must have been the Cab Center back yeah, then right yeah. and, and but yeah. everybody staying at all the motels they just right all natural apples just eating eating <laughs> yeah, they, were, they were gone. Mike Thornburg, 
Space Patches. This is one of my favorites, I got to tell you. In this next clip, another longtime friend of mine, Michael Thornburg, shares a story about how he went above and beyond at a mailing facility to make sure his client got their patches on time. This clip also provides some behind the scenes insight to the kinds of things business owners have to sometimes do in order to keep their clients happy. So now we're 3 a.m. Monday morning. We're 3 a.m. Monday morning. I yeah. go to the Valero gas station. I'm just, I'm, I'm walking around like a father waiting for a baby to be born yeah. to go over to the UPS facility <laughs> to find this box with these patches. Cause I know it had been tracked there last, scanned, and yeah. I knew it was there. And I, and I was fearful that the trucks, whatever, that leave the UPS facility would go out and I'd lose it. Yeah, so, but so hold on. So you're at the Valero gas station. Yeah. And who do you run into? So I run, so there's a, there's a, Few officers there, just kind of police you know, officers, police officers shooting right. the breeze. And you knew you were told potentially getting ready to I, I, commit a crime. Yeah, I mentioned <laughs> I mentioned the gentleman's name who was flying into space. Yeah, I showed, told him his life story. Yeah, I was like, he's got 500 patches over there, one mile away at that distribution facility. Right, and, and you told him have you, these you, I'm going to get him, and you may I, be getting a call. I'm, you told I'm, the cops. I told the police officers there. I was like, <laughs> look, I, I'm going over there. I'm, I don't. I mean, I have to. You understand? I, I was. I'm desperate. I have to have these patches. Yeah. They were actually kind of helpful, and they said, "Well, one of them knew somebody that worked in the in the um, sorting." Yeah. And they said they they do get there like three three thirty in the morning to do their sorting. Right. Before the uh, the rest of the staff come in. Right. So he even told me the time like the employees go in. So that was like great news. So I was yeah. like, "Sweet, I'm using this to go in the employee entrance like three o'clock in the morning." So I said, "Well, if you get a call or something, you know what it's about. I have to have these patches." Once I have the patches, I don't care what happens to me. I just got to have these patches. Like, please, just. And so, um, you know, they were just kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah. So I had a rental car. I headed over to the UPS facility. It was like 3.30, 4 in the morning. Right. Um, I went in the employee entrance. Yeah. I told, I, they kind of see me in there. I don't have a badge or anything. Like, right. And the manager. What did you do with your car? You had a rental car. So I took the rental car. Actually, I was fearful that these trucks were going to leave and they might have my patches in this because the, the the customer was sending like a a person with a Moscow passport. They were on they were flying down to meet me, assuming I'm gonna track down these patches. Right. And so I I had to have these patches. Right. So I took the rental car and I blocked the exit where the tractor trailers leave. Right. I was just fearful. I don't know what would happen. Maybe the, <laughs> they were scanned there. Maybe they're in this truck. Maybe they yeah. leave. And so I blocked the uh, exit where the the tractor trailers leave the sort to head out to the local distribution places or right. maybe head back to other places. So nobody can leave there. Nothing, the patches can't possibly leave there. <laughs> I was just so like, just, I was going to heck these patches. And so I, uh, I head over in the facility. I, they, I start freaking them out. Finally, the manager was like, you got to get out of here. And I was like, well, can I come back and help, help look for the patches? Like I, you understand, I gotta, I told her the story. I was like, I got to have these patches. I right. got to have these patches. So she calls the police because I, I, I wouldn't leave. Right. They come over. Now, um, was it the same cops that were at the Valero? I, I didn't recognize any of the police uh, officers, but I think they had known about the story. So yeah. they must have talked. Yeah, yeah. I didn't, I didn't they recognize. They had radios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't recognize any of the police officers that came over. Right. But they uh, they actually took me and said, sir, you're going to have to, like, they must have known the manager. Yeah. They, they, sir, you're going to have to leave the facility. They escorted me out, move your rental car, um, and and uh, and they didn't arrest me, but they escorted me, like with me, yeah. got me out of the facility, right? Made me move my car and exit the premises. The manager said, "I have your cell phone number. I'm going to call you as soon as we find these patches." Right. And I was like, "Please, please, please, just yeah, I'm I'm, I'm be sitting over there." 
and the police officer says, why don't you head over to that, you know, over to the gas station and wait for her call. And yeah, I was back like, to okay. the Valero. And then finally I got, yeah, finally, eventually at like six in the morning, they found him and I opened up in front of the whole staff at UPS. It was like a, it was like a huge celebration. The way, <laughs> and, and, and open, I got to tell you, open that box, making sure they weren't missed, you know, the business, right? right? Yeah, making sure they the weren't business. misprinted or something. <laughs> oh my God, that's a, that's a whole nother thing, right? I'm like, all the wrong colors. Please, please have the spelling right and everything on here. Oh gosh. So we, uh, so I grab the patches and I head over to the airport yeah. in Houston and I meet the, uh, the envoy that's yeah. headed, I hand them to him, yeah. escort him to the tarmac. Yeah, watch his plane. But, but take no, off. wait, wait. They, did they buy you a ticket? Right. So did, they bought me a, like back then. It was it was you're allowed to go through the ticketing. You can't even get on to the to the. Actually, I think I bought the ticket um, to, to, to the flight to Moscow. To, yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I just bought a ticket to get. I, I think it was a, I bought a cheap ticket somewhere yeah. to get on that concourse okay. so I could go with them and physically watch the plane take off, right. which I did through the window. That's dedication. Yeah, well, I just like you. You don't go through all that to like you just have them get yeah have the, have the yeah. envoy miss the flight exactly right? or something. And that guy, <laughs> as soon as he left, I called them and said, "Hey, he's he's taken off his flight." Yeah. Um. And so that was, and really, you you don't really get too much out of that, but I I made a client tremendously happy. I mean, they don't know the backstory of all yeah. the things. They don't know. They, they probably don't remember that they ordered them from somewhere else. They didn't come through, yeah. but they do remember how they feel when you do something right. for them like that. Right. And so I, that, that person, that, that, that company is still a client today. And, See, and, and, and you know what? And, and, and how much did you charge them for all this extra service? The patches were cut. No, I didn't charge them anything. I, right. the patches were, I can't remember at the time, but it was like a three to four dollar patch. Nothing. Right. So fifteen hundred dollars. Nothing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you bought the plane ticket to get yeah. down there, the plane ticket to get back, and you went through, almost got yeah. arrested, yeah. and uh, bought another ticket to get to watch the patches get on the plane. But see, that's that's what it takes. Yeah, that's yeah. what it takes. People, people don't, don't for, people don't forget that either. Yeah, your 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 client will never forget it. But mm -hmm. I think most folks out there that you run into every day don't realize what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. And then you go back to work on, I guess you don't get back to work till Tuesday. And this was this big monumental deal to you, but now you just got to go back and deal with people calling in sick and somebody wants Friday mm -hmm. off and, yeah, yeah. you know, but but that's what it is to be a business owner. It's a pretty amazing story. You should be really- uh, I mean, there's, 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 there's tons of those stories like that. I mean, yeah. I've had- So that was a few of the many many funny stories from the show. We hope you enjoyed listening. Head over to goajohn.com and listen to more episodes or listen on your favorite podcast platform. Go out there and build something extraordinary.